0: This podcast is brought to you by the Wharton School at the University of Pennsylvania. Well, as chairman of the Federal Reserve, Jerome Powell is one of the most important people dealing with the issues around monetary policy right now. His recent address from the Jackson Hole Summit gave us some more insight as to his thought process about how the Fed should react to the economy during this time of the coronavirus. Christina Skinner is Assistant Professor of Legal Studies and Business Ethics with the Wharton School. She has reviewed his speech again and she joins us to give us her thoughts. Christina, thanks for a few moments today.
1: Sure, my pleasure. great to be here.
0: What were your take what were your takeaways from from what uh, Chair Powell said during this speech?
1: I have to say, I I think the speech was very well done. The markets reacted very favorably, even as it delivered three quite significant messages. So first, there was an an acknowledgement by Chair Powell that yes, we're seeing inflation above 2% for the first time in a very long time. But in the Fed's view, this is temporary, transitory, as we say. Second key message, I think, was that the Fed is going to start pulling back from some of its crisis-era interventions. Specifically, it's likely going to slow the pace of asset purchases. Now, in my view, this is the most significant policy decision, if you will, that was revealed in the speech. The Fed is now clearly committing to an intent to start exiting from QE. Now, this might seem very attenuated, an intent to commit to something, but in Fed speak, it's quite a significant statement. And then third, the Fed isn't planning to raise rates right now. And this makes sense. It would have been unusual for the Fed to have both raised rates and decided to back down from asset purchases. It was probably always going to be one or the other once we hit recovery mode with the question of sequencing, which one was going to come first.
0: One of the things, as you mentioned, he talked about is keeping asset purchases at the current pace until there is, quote, substantial further progress towards our maximum employment and price stability goals, end quote. Uh, In part, we know we're not there on maximum employment. Today's report just obviously kind of highlights that right now. So if we're not there, what does that mean then for the the Federal Reserve? I would imagine this idea of tapering continues to move back a little bit further at this point.
1: You know, I think – is actually signaling somewhat of the opposite in his in his speech. The message from the chair is that you know the Fed thinks we are actually there and it's looking primarily at inflation right now. Now, the Fed wanted to push inflation a bit higher than 2%, consistent with its new makeup policy that's part and parcel of its new framework. And he's saying that were there in regard to inflation. And I think the message is that employment and growth, general recovery, if you will, is also heading in the right direction, notwithstanding maybe some bumps along the way. So I think the Fed is very clearly committing its intention to start scaling back from some of its emergency or crisis-fighting measures, again, starting with asset purchases. And the Fed will have thought very long and hard about whether it was time to announce this. And so I think there's a pretty high bar at this point from diverting course.
0: He did bring up, uh, in, in terms of where we are with the economy right now and the recovery, the unevenness that it is out there at the moment.
1: Yeah, yeah. So the Fed has, you know, the Fed has made a real effort to be mindful and communicate about what's happening in the real economy, also the distributional impacts of the recovery and its policies. So different groups will be affected differently if and when the Fed tightens. And I think this is probably one reason why the Fed has chosen to slow asset purchases before raising rates. So the Fed is of the view that raising rates prematurely can be worse for lower-wage earning groups. Now, meanwhile, there's been some thought and conversation around the fact that asset purchases, QE, quantitative easing, is not that helpful for inequality. And it's because QE tends to benefit asset holders and can hurt wage earners to the extent inflation comes along with sustained, prolonged asset purchases.
0: I find it also interesting, Christina, that, and I think the expectation is that when you're member of the Federal Reserve, the governor's board, uh, regional Fed president, that you're looking at the larger scale data. A lot of these reports that are coming out weekly, monthly, et cetera. But Chair Powell did allude to the fact that in, in some of his review, he's looking at More micro data like used car prices, like where prices on hotel rooms and airline tickets, a lot of these different kind of components that make up some of these larger reports. He's focusing on on that as we move forward.
1: Exactly, exactly. And I think this is part of the overall messaging that Trevor Powell is doing to anchor inflation expectations and to really drive home the message that the inflation we're seeing is transitory. You know, in regard to the different data sets that the Fed is looking at, the Fed often thinks about inflation by excluding certain groups that have prices that are made more volatile due to temporary supply changes or seasonal factors. And these are usually food and oil prices that are excluded. But you can see how with the supply chain disruptions, travel disruptions related specifically to the COVID pandemic. Chair Powell is saying that some prices are jumping around and we shouldn't necessarily think that, you know, airline price increases, for instance, mean that overall price levels are rising, indicative of sustained inflation that, again, isn't necessarily transitory.
0: We're joined by Christina Skinner, who is an assistant professor of legal studies and business ethics at the Wharton School. Uh I guess there was in reading his speech, it felt like that there was a recognition that the Fed still does have to be nimble, even though we're getting closer to the to the tapering, uh, that some of these dynamics out there and the Delta variant being one, they do have to be nimble to be prepared for some of of these potholes that could be coming uh, coming in the future, maybe.
1: Yes, absolutely. The Fed needs to be gentle with its signals. It can't spook markets by suggesting it's going to be inflexible or that it's oblivious or insensitive to the uncertainties associated with the pandemic. However, sort of as I was alluding to before, I think there is going to be a pretty high bar for reversing course. There's been a lot of pressure on the Fed and other central banks to start thinking about an exit plan for QE. The Fed knows that now that we're not in a fire drill, it's time to start to scale back the use of this tool that's unconventional and really meant for unconventional times. And, you know, the Fed also knows that it needs headroom to fight the next crisis. So it can't both be at the effective lower bound and maxed out on asset purchases when things are headed in this recovering direction, because it just can't be in a position where it's out of ammo for next time. So I think the Fed is not going to lock itself in because that would be imprudent, but it's going to be very careful about changing changing course at this point and backing
0: off. So it, the jobs report that we got today, do you think that it has any impact on his thinking and that of the of the Fed presidents in general?
1: You know, I'm sure that they'll you know take it into account as part of this broader trend data set that they're considering. I think right now there is a lot of jumping around. I think the message is still that we were heading in a good direction. Jobs, The job market was doing well and that this temporary blip on the screen is going to probably be considered a temporary blip in this screen until we start seeing some negative trending in the sort of quote wrong direction. And we'll have to see what happens with people going back to school and holiday seasons coming up. And and I think the Fed will sort of remain optimistic until it has more reason
0: to think otherwise. And and I guess to a degree, it's still kind of up in the air if this pattern, if this path is fully the right assessment of conditions right now by Chair Powell, at least now. I mean, obviously, you could go back, uh, you know, 12, 13, 14 months and and look at what was done and say, yeah, it absolutely had to be done to prop up the economy. But where we are right now, I think the question is still out there as to whether or not the assessments are right at this point.
1: Right. And that's a fair point. But, you know, on the, on, the, on the big picture, I think the three key sort of going back full circle, I think the three key messages that Powell gave in his speech were, were very carefully thought through and are generally on very solid ground. So the first in regard to QE, you know, just to emphasize again that this was absolutely the, the right call to start looking towards slowing asset purchases markets need to recalibrate. So purchasing treasuries treasuries puts downward pressure on their yields, downward pressure on other rates. It's time to see what the bond yields look like without the Fed's purchases. We're also sort of thinking about a period of time where the central bank is purchasing government debt that coincides with a government that is also issuing lots of debt. And this can start to confuse people about whether the central bank is financing the deficit. And we get into really difficult questions about central bank independence as well as inflation. So I think, again, really solid assessment and decision there. Second, regarding rates and inflation, again, I think it's important for the Fed to keep trying to anchor expectations that... Inflation that we're seeing is transitory, but we should also tread carefully here. I'll note that you know, other commentators have pointed out that once inflation, once the rope slips past a certain point, you know, whether that's five, six, seven percent, it can be very difficult to stop inflation from climbing into double digits. Finally, on the third point of his message, employment. I think the Fed is really doing everything it can in this regard right now. It's being mindful of who in society is recovering, but ultimately, and trying to fashion its poli- policies in regard to that. But you know, ultimately, it can't do anything about certain structural issues in the economy, the people's willingness to migrate from low to high demand labor markets or incentives set by government policies that impact how many people are entering and remaining in the workforce. You know, we don't have time to get into a big debate about the Phillips curve, but I think it's important for all the listeners to, to think about and realize that if the Fed loses its grip on inflation, it's very likely going to have a very hard time reducing unemployment. And We've certainly learned that lesson before.
0: Christina, great insight. Thank you very much for a few moments. All the best. Thanks. Great to be here. Thank you, Christina Skinner, Assistant Professor of Legal Studies and Business Ethics with the Wharton School. To keep engaged with Wharton Business Daily and other Wharton School shows, visit businessradio.wharton.upenn.edu.